0: You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric here, excited to be joined by a 2020 NLC Pittsburgh fellow. Leah is here. We're talking COVID frontline work and some interesting happenings on the employer-employee side that Leah will get into. It's her capstone project for the Institute that's wrapping up this month. Thanks so much for tuning in this episode of The Zag. Let's get to it. All right, Leah, 2020 definitely will be a historic year for NLC and the fellows since you endured the only pandemic that we've ever had. What was it like going from the in-person experience to the virtual experience?
1: Right. So it's it's been an interesting experience in the sense that what initially drew me to NLC was the opportunity to connect to other leaders in the Pittsburgh community. So having these in-person meetings has been super valuable. However, um, our institute has done a great job orchestrating different online trainings. Um, to satisfy the different requirements each month. And in turn, it's allowed me to interface with other fellows at institutes across the country. So in that sense, um, it's been a really rewarding experience because I've had this opportunity to meet and interface uh, with all these different um, cities and different uh, stakeholders in the organization uh, that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to work with.
0: And it's interesting to talk to fellows in different parts of the country for, for this podcast because you get an interesting snapshot of where cities and states are in terms of their response to opening back up, how would you describe where Pittsburgh is uh, on this Friday afternoon, where we at like May, was it May 22nd today?
1: Yep, May 22nd. Um, So I've largely, when this all started, I was actually splitting my time between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and Austin, Texas. Uh, Mm -hmm. My work requires me to travel a fair amount and watching the uh, divergent approaches um, (laughs) in Texas against Pennsylvania has been um, certainly an educational experience. Pittsburgh was one of the earliest cities to lock down in uh, Pennsylvania. We have a very low daily case growth rate. Um, I've been extremely impressed with Governor Wolf's leadership um, at the state level and then at the local level, Mayor Peduto and the local um, officials have done an excellent job in terms of risk assessment and analysis and providing straightforward and concise information about um, social distancing, about quarantine, um, and about what steps and metrics are necessary to slowly reopen uh, the local businesses and uh, city city works.
0: Yeah, and in terms of business and employers, I know for NLC, your Capstone project touches on on this concept of of looking closely at how workplaces are treating employees in COVID times. Gives folks a little bit of background on what you're working on.
1: Sure. So um, I actually work in the tech sector, and this is something that I've been very interested in, which is how tech ethics influence um, or like the ethics that are in place in technology, how they influence people's work, um, especially at the employee level rather than at the organizational or executive level. Um, I made the decision to reorient my capstone towards creating a database of um, employee experiences during the pandemic, especially since we're facing just astonishingly high unemployment Um and uh, what's likely to be the beginning of of a drawn-out recession, I think it's really important to provide information to employees about how different companies and employers have managed the COVID-19 crisis. And this is everything from providing PPE to workers, to um, taking every effort to allow uh, workers to work from home, to making layoffs that maybe were presented as being part of the COVID-19 economic disruption but may have actually just been... um, a convenient opportunity to shrink the workforce. Um, And and I'm really interested in creating this repository of experiences and feedback anonymously from different employees um, based on their experience um, and what they've encountered at work, with the idea that this could eventually be a resource for people when it comes to making decisions about where to bring their talent and where to work.
0: And in terms of the questions that are on this anonymous survey, what kind of things can people expect to see?
1: Sure. So uh, a lot of the questions are fairly straightforward. Um, asking what industry your company was in, um, how, how large the company is, you know, 0 to 50, 51 to 100, et cetera, um, the seniority of the employee, where they're located, um, and then taking an assessment of each employee's um evaluation of the company responses for instance like did the employer issue any internal statements about the COVID 19 pandemic Um, has the employer instituted any kind of special accommodations so so you see some employers are offering um more paid sick time or pto or flexible work schedules um also asking about sort of the uh the more challenging aspects of, of the pandemic asking about um if there's been terminations or layoffs or other um effects that the employees have felt, things like pay reductions or short staffing. Um, And then finally, uh, a sort of free-form opportunity for the employee to provide feedback, and this for me has been really the most interesting thing, seeing what people will say when given the opportunity to speak their mind anonymously. So things like, uh, my company was totally unprepared, our HR HR team is refusing to grant us sick leave if we get infected. this uh our union is the one who made sure that we had adequate ppe and we had adequate sick time um we're being forced to use our vacation time early uh to accommodate the pandemic so um it's it starts from a a pretty basic structured data ingestion um of information and goes to uh open-ended questions on what employee experiences and thoughts are about how companies have responded to the pandemic. And so then once this
0: data is collected and crunched, you mentioned you wanted this to be something that people could could use and reference. What is your vision for the platform and and how that will actually take shape?
1: Right. So my my idea here is um, to have adequate data so that we can really start looking at industry response Um, In a lot of respects, I almost look to Glassdoor uh, Hmm. as a similar sort of platform in the sense that it provides like industry insight and scoring and anonymous reviews. And then also you can get really in the weeds and look into exactly what specific companies have been able to do. Now, for larger companies, you may be able to aggregate adequate data to be able to anonymize it and present it. For smaller companies, it'll be a question of just keeping it within a specific industry um, or, you know, particular vertical. Um, I'd like to provide basically a score Uh, in the sense of like A, B, C, D, F, in terms of company responses, and then also look at um, what the employee assessments are. So we could have some really quantifiable scores. um, And then we could also do some more qualitative analysis on uh, what the direct verbal feedback has been from the employees. The idea here is basically to provide to shed light uh, on information that may otherwise have been constrained just to employees at a particular company.
0: And do you feel like the, the site would have a shelf life beyond whatever length this, this pandemic impact has? Do you see it being long-term or something that is designed just to be this short-term set of, of uh, uh, reference points for folks to consider?
1: Right. So I definitely see it lasting about as long as the pandemic does. Um, certainly, uh, in, in, all oper- in, in all likelihood, uh, probably well into whatever um, economic uh, issues follow the pandemic. Um, I really... Envision this ultimately as a resource to empower workers and um, to provide them with quality information about where they take their talent, and I don't think that there's ever a shelf life for that kind of resource. So while this is initially starting under the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic and the, uh, the current economic issues, um, I definitely see this as extending beyond uh, those discrete events. When we come back,
0: we'll talk a little bit more with Leah about life in quarantine times out there in Pittsburgh. Thanks so much for tuning in this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. <music> Leah, I'm always interested in how people end up transforming their their homes or apartments or, or, or condos where they live during these, these weird shelter-in-place times. What things have been added or removed from your place where you're staying all these days after days after days?
1: Oh my God! It's so funny you're asking that. Uh, <clears throat> so actually, I actually I have the good grace of living alone in a in a fairly spacious um, loft conversion in Pittsburgh. Um, the, the cool thing about Pittsburgh is living here is basically arbitrage. Um, it has a great tech sector and very very low rent as someone coming from New York. Um, so I basically have moved all of my kitchen and kitchen table stuff into the corner of my apartment and basically have a functioning gym at this point (laughs) in my kitchen. Uh, I have a rowing machine. I have an air bike. I have a barbell. Um, and, uh, I've been using my kitchen Island to, uh, to load the barbell for squats. So I assume I'm probably never getting my deposit back, but that's okay. Is Um, there a (laughs) squat,
0: squat wreck in in your future or can you Jimmy one up or how does that work?
1: Um, you know, I don't, I don't have one yet. Uh, probably at some point, um, if you were ever, if you're an investment investor, there's definitely like a futures (laughs) opportunity in gym equipment right now, because getting anything is very difficult. Um, and I've sort of pieced together a a respectable home gym by setting up different alerts with, uh, different retailers Mm -hmm. to buy things.
0: And then in terms of what you see in the gym industry going forward, what do you think it'll end up looking like?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, I'm sort of an avowed gym rat, and I can't possibly imagine going back into a public gym for a very long time. <laughs> uh, I mean, there were even even clean gyms before now were still pretty gross. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just wrote a report about, uh, I, I mean, basically, I think anything where we're having a lot of people in even remotely close quarters in an indoor environment is going to be verboten until there's some kind of either... Uh, successful medical intervention or vaccine. So whether it's a gym, uh, a spin studio, a theater, a symphony, a concert, um, I think all of this stuff is sort of backburnered for the time being. Um, and certainly the home gym industry is going to be booming.
0: Yeah, it was I was having a debate with a friend. You think of places like Equinox or, or 24-hour gym, those large places that you mentioned, it's going to be very hard. But I do wonder if there will be a uh, a boom in in kind of small personal training gyms, especially if you can get uh, spaces that allow you to you know have kind of have like barn doors that open up and and you can have some circulation and air in there and in a way that you could control the the numbers pretty easily so I'm very curious if there'll be some innovative approaches to kind of small class session stuff you think maybe maybe even like a place like orange theory or even soul cycle mm-hmm. to some degree could adapt in a way that uh, let them survive but yeah I'd be really surprised if you see the the, the large gyms um, look like they used to look anytime in the next Two to five years, even I think it'll be that much of a extinction oh, yeah. level event. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what kind of gym culture becomes in the next twelve to eighteen months.
1: Right, certainly. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think moving towards this sort of boutique or studio experience is definitely a possibility. Um, having like more one-on-one kind of training, um, and, and I mean, we do see some, um, some efforts being made in these commercial gyms to segment people out. But I think a lot of it at this point is pretty much theater, like any place inside with <laughs> indoor air circulation seems like bad news.
0: Hey, last thing, cause we are in the mode of recruiting for next year's fellows class and it'll be an interesting Absolutely. experience. And we're still trying to figure out what the Institute in fact will look like in 2021. But yeah, if you were talking to someone and giving them advice about considering the program, what would you ask them to consider?
1: So I think one of the most powerful parts of NLC is the opportunity to meet with, engage, and build a network of other community leaders that are outside um, your discipline. That was certainly what drew me in, the opportunity to connect with people who had extraordinary civic involvement in leadership but were outside of the tech industry. Um, I think anyone who's looking to broaden their worldview um, and who is really genuine in their desire to do the work Uh, both personally and interpersonally to um, grow in their commitments to their community and um, continue pursuing a progressive vision um, would be an excellent fit for NLC. Um, And and I think the other thing too is you shouldn't really wait until you're totally ready. Like It's a huge opportunity to grow and develop. Um, And So even if you don't totally feel ready to take on the challenge, it's completely worthwhile. Um, Super supportive um, and and the network you build is just extraordinary.
0: Well said. And you can check out information on how to apply at newleaderscouncil.org. All the information is there. And if you want to catch up on past episodes of the Zag to see what folks from the 2020 class across the country or alumni of the program are up to these days, get those at all the places you find your podcast: SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places, they're there. Until next time, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.